welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. So let's read today, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We're going to read 13 verses, pray, and see what the Lord has for us today. So it says this, it says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please the commanding officer. Similarly, uh, I think I butchered that word. Similarly, uh, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He, <clears throat> here's a trustworthy saying, and everybody listen in. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. Verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, as I've read your word and, and God just talked with you this morning, uh, Lord, I, I'm excited for the message today, but Lord, I know um, I don't want to preach a good sermon. Uh, God, I want you to speak to your people. Uh, through your word. And so, God, I'm asking for your help in that. Uh, God, I pray for all of us uh, today that you would open up our hearts to hear what you have to say. And, and God, I also want to pray for those that um, maybe Mother's Day is a difficult day. And uh, God, maybe, um, uh, maybe the loss of a child or struggle uh, to become a mother or uh, a relationship with a mother that, that's just not great. Um, God, I pray for your grace. Uh, just as the passage says, God, I pray for those that today, uh, it's a difficult day. And God, I thank you for verses 11, 12, and 13, that God, we have ultimate eternal hope in the gospel. I thank you for that. And God, I ask for you to uh, have your way in this time as I share the message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, my favorite movie, um, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, uh, probably didn't need to be watching it, but it just was. Uh, it was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Do we? Hey, I got an amen. Let's go. Great film. Uh, I'm probably the only preacher in the history of the world that started off Mother's Day with Terminator, but, but we're here now, okay? We're, we're here. Settle in. Um, but, but, you know, what this movie is about uh, is a, a group of humans led by John Connor and his mom, uh, Sarah Connor, also a pretty good mom. Anyway, um, side note, trying to tie it in. Uh, but the, the, the moral of the story, the simplicity of the story is the world is rotten and decaying and it's being ruled uh, or going to be ruled uh, by basically these bloodthirsty robots, all right? And uh, this, this, uh, this uh, artificial intelligence organization has brought these robots and, and the world is a dark, hopeless place. 
And what's left is John Connor and a group of guys that call themselves the resistance, that they are the, the, the band that is fighting against uh, all the darkness and the brokenness and the pain of the fallen world, all right? And it's an incredible movie, incredible uh, story. I'm just kind of uh, bought into those kinds of things. I love a good underdog hero story. Well, well, listen, church, I want you to know as we look at our culture, as we look at the world, the sin, the darkness, the brokenness, many of you see it face to face, how rough and dark this world is. Listen, the church is the resistance, We were uniquely saved and wired to be agents of light, pressing and resisting against the darkness of sin, Satan, and the world. Right, so so we are the resistance, and I want to give you uh, the overview of what that means, and I want to give you God's game plan uh, of what we are called to do. And what we've been given to do is, again, to be light in a dark world, and the how was one simple instruction that Jesus gave disciples uh, to go and do. I want to read with you Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It'll be on the screen. Uh, This is called the Great Commission. This is Jesus' last words, uh, some of his last words before he went to heaven. And he said, uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? So real quick, you're never going to step anywhere that Jesus doesn't have authority in your whole life. So therefore, if we know that about our Savior, this is what I want you to do as the resistance, the people that are agents of light in the dark world. Therefore, Go. And make, highlight star, make disciples of all nations, right? The whole world, world vision. Baptizing them, that's the first step of obedience after salvation, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then it says what? And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So uh, this is God's plan that we are to embrace. And I want you to know what a disciple is to define that so that we can know who we are called to be is we're not called to just be people that prayed a prayer one time and live life how we wanted to and, and just did whatever. A disciple is a learner and a follower of Jesus. Right? So what the word disciple and in the uh, original context is a rabbi would be a teacher and a, a student, his disciple would come and he would sit before this rabbi and learn everything he could from the rabbi. And he would begin to practice the things he had learned. Well, listen, um, what we are called to do as a church is to be a disciple, someone who is coming to learn from Christ and begin to put into practice the things we are learning. And so that's being a disciple, but that's only half of it. We are to be a disciple who makes other disciples, right? So we see this multiplication uh, mindset. And I want to tell you, man, of all the five cultures, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just pumped for this one. Um, about a few years ago, I did what every leadership guru says not to do. I added a value to our church. Everyone says as an organization grows, you need to shrink values. And I said, nope. I want to write this one on a board. I want to put it in front of the staff. I want to put it in front of the church. And I believe the kingdom growth we've seen have been by us embracing a multiplication, disciple-making mindset. Right? So this is a defined value that we have. And I want to share why it's so critical. Okay? Um, Back in the first century, there's a guy that wrote a book named Robert Stark. 
uh, called the, the, the Rise of Christianity. And um, by many estimates, at the end of the first century, there were about 7,500 Christians. So, so that's like, man, what is that? That's not even a, a quarter of this county. So in the whole planet, after Jesus resurrects, there's 7,500 Christians, people that have the Holy Spirit and, and, and claim Jesus as Lord. By 312 AD, over half of the Roman Empire now has claimed allegiance to Christ. That's millions upon millions over two centuries. Now, what in the world? And, and as you look at that, he, he studied this, this early church of what happened and, and how does the church go from 7,500 to reaching uh, most of the known world? And here's the deal. He said it's really simple. It's the mathematics of multiplication. And what the early church did is they had an awareness that every Christian was called to multiply and every church was called to plant other churches. Think about that for one second. They had embraced that the call to follow Jesus, there was an awareness and an expectation that we were to give it away to other people. Every church that was planted was just a part of a greater movement to plant more churches where there needed to be churches. And the simplicity of that over 200 years, millions of millions filled the kingdom of heaven because of faithful, everyday, ordinary believers, just like me and just like you. Man, that's amazing, isn't it? And so uh, what I'm talking about today, if the church really, really got it, if we got the recipe of God's plan to reach the world, man, we're gonna turn this place upside down. We're gonna do some damage with the years God's given us to walk the earth. We're gonna do some real damage because here's the recipe. Always has been, always will be to see kingdom grow. Three things, take it with you. Number one is faithful gospel preaching. Faithful gospel preaching. Number two, intentional disciple making. And then lastly, committed church planting. If we can do those three things, man, we're about to have a lot of fun the next, I don't know, I don't know how many years I got, but we're about to have a lot of fun the next however many years together. We're gonna see God do more than you and I could ever ask or imagine as we're seeing the, the first footprints of it. And I want everyone to know here because um, I'm, I'm, and like I said, I'm, I'm a cowboy a little bit. I think I'm gonna change this value name from discipleship to disciple making. Because I want you to know that discipleship implies, okay, man, connections, this disciple making, this discipleship that's cruising down the street and Buck's asking me to hop on. That's not what I'm asking you to do. It said to go and make disciples. And so we want to change that value to disciple making because disciple making requires intentionality. That we were called, you and I both, and so I want to make it really clear to everyone in here, to the older men and women, you have wisdom and expertise in following Jesus that my generation and below, we need. We need that you have a part to play in this story that God's not done with you. Heck, heck Moses was 80 and he just got cranking up for the Lord. All right. And man, so, so listen, you have a part to play. Uh, young parents, my, my age, listen. If we'll do it, if we'll invest in our children, if we'll be faithful in our workplace, we're gonna turn this thing around. We're gonna, we're gonna turn it around, man. We, we need you being effective where you've been planted. And I wanna talk to teenagers and, and college students that are, you're trying to figure things out and God's, God's really stirring the hearts of people for the young folks and, and I'm excited to kind of explore that. You were created for this mission. That's what you're searching for. 
Wherever you're looking, you were created to take a part. And a lot of times when God's moved powerfully in the church historically, he started with the younger generation. You were created. As you're figuring out what job, what school, you were created and formed and uniquely wired to have a part to play in this disciple-making story. All right? You guys good? You get the gist? Yeah? All right, let's roll. So let's talk about today, what does it look like to be a disciple maker? What does it look like to be uh, a disciple maker? And um, I want to share a little context here. So the passage, Paul is writing to a disciple named Timothy. So, so Paul wrote most of the New Testament, planted a ton of churches, and Timothy was like his right-hand man, his disciple. So, so the things I'm talking about, that faithful, intentional disciple-making, Paul picked up Timothy as a young man, saw some fruitfulness and some faithfulness in his life, and Paul taught Timothy everything he knew about the faith. You, you'll see in verse 1, he calls Timothy his son in the faith. Right? So, so he says, like, man, this is the guy I've invested my life in. And Paul now is about to die. One of his last recorded letters, he's in prison for the faith. And his number one focus is, I've got to encourage Timothy, my disciple, so that the gospel will go forth, disciples will be made, and churches will be planted. So, so we see this generational nature. And when I think about um, ministry and one of my favorite books, I want to share a quote with you. Uh, one of my favorite books in the whole world, Robert Coleman wrote a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And this is a quote he had. He said, one must decide where he wants his ministry to count. In the momentary applause of popular recognition or in the reproduction of his life in a few chosen men who will carry on his work after he is gone. Really, it is a question of which generation are we living for? I think there's something so powerful about that is that, man, the, the way we invest now is the footprint of what's going to happen in the next generation. And Paul loved me and you enough to invest in Timothy and implore him to go and make disciples. And so, um, so today, again, we're going to talk about what does it look like to be a disciple maker? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, uh, it starts with being a good steward of the gospel. It starts with being a good steward of the gospel. Uh, verses one and two, it says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And, and I want you to know, uh, that's the, the one verse as I was preparing for this sermon, verse two is what just rang in my head, entrust what you have learned to reliable men. This, this entrusting something precious. And, and you don't entrust things that aren't precious to you. And so the gospel was precious to Paul. And that, man, I'm entrusting you, Timothy. I could have picked anyone out to go with me on these missionary journeys, but Timothy, I brought you along. I've entrusted you with these teachings. You need to be a good steward of them, and you need to pass them on to faithful people that are gonna teach and not waste it. It's just like this, man, talking about entrusting. Man, I'll, I'll entrust y'all, uh, many of us, man, I'll entrust you with this water bottle, but some of y'all, man, y'all ain't touching my car keys, bro. Y'all y'all gonna be in Mexico or something. You know what I'm saying? I'll be watching her. You know, it's just like uh, giving someone your number versus giving them the number to your bank account. Like, like some of that is precious. Well, the most precious thing in Paul's life was the, the gospel, and I want you to think about why that is. 
You know, last year, no, I'll tell you back, in 2020, um, there was a port that there were 18.1 million cases of cancer in the world. And, and I guarantee you, all of us have been affected uh, by cancer. And man, like, we're, we're still working for a cure and, and looking for that. And so I want you to imagine for a second, if you had the cure for cancer, and you just said, you know what, I'm just going to hold this to myself. That, that would be cruel. That would be so cruel. Listen, I want everyone to know this. The gospel is the eternal cure for sin. It, it is literally the, the good news of Christ that when people hear it, respond, and come to faith, eternally their destination has gone from death to life. And I'm telling you, I stand by Romans 1.16. That cure is still curing lives today. Amen. And so what we are to be is to be faithful and strategic in how we share it and who we pass it along to. And that, man, I'm loving what God's doing here, but I try and make sure during my week I am scheduling time to pass on the truths of the faith to the generation that when I'm gone, the gospel goes forth. And so, man, if you've been in Christ for a while, if you've known him, and man, it's kind of that time to pass it along, I want, you to, I want to share with you who you're looking for. You're looking for men or women that are faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. And that so many times with discipleship, we get frustrated trying to wake the dead instead of trying to pour our lives into the living. Right? And so you get devastated because there's people not coming to Christ. Man, it may just not be their time, but man, when there's a young person in your life that, that's kind of awake to the faith, man, give them everything you know about the gospel. Give them everything you know about Christ, and the kingdom will grow exponentially through people um, that, are, that are faithful to, to hear it, receive it. And so I wanted to share that with you. Uh, number two, I, I want to share what a disciple maker does. A disciple maker is committed to the mission of God. A disciple maker is committed. Um, that, that word commitment, we're going to really uh, press into that, okay? And so Paul, uh, he, he had this great commission. Remember we shared it, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, Paul saw it as a clear, finishable task. And, and man, I, if I just want to encourage you, go ahead and map out the next six weeks. We're starting a new series called One Mission um, we're going to talk about God's global plan. It's going to be amazing. Uh, you have a part to play in that. It's going to be great. But Paul took the Great Commission as orders that could be finished. Does that make sense? So many times, discipleship in Christianity is just so foggy. Does that, make, does that make sense? Like, I don't quite know what I need to do, but the Great Commission is really, really clear. And what Paul was doing is he was planting churches where there were no churches, and he was trying to get to Spain because as far as he knew, he thought that was the ends of the earth. You know, he didn't know the rest of the world existed. And so you'll learn in his letters that Paul is planting churches, he's making disciples, and he wants to finish this mission. He believed if I can plant a church in Spain, Jesus is coming back, we can all go home. I mean, he was that committed to finishing this task, and it didn't matter what came his way. And, and so, and he gives us three examples, because he's telling Timothy, like, I've given my life to this mission, and Timothy, I want you to be committed. So let's pick up in verse three. He tells Timothy, he says, join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs 
but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except for competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. And so Paul gives three things, and I want to illustrate these three of what he means. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Now first, the soldier. Um, I, I don't have a lot of time to watch TV, so I kind of watch something at night to decompress. I don't know if it's the early 2000s nostalgia in me, but I picked back up the show 24, Jack Bauer. Anybody familiar? Baddest cat around, man. I mean, that dude, in 24 hours, he's done more than me and you in our lifetime. I mean, I mean, one scene, he's getting electrocuted by a terrorist. The next, he's saving the girl. He runs in. I mean, an incredible hero. I mean, he's the dude, man. I, I've just, I've really enjoyed reconnecting with my boy, Jack Bauer. But what I've learned is, uh, as, a, as a good soldier, he's special ops, super trained. Communication and good soldiers get clear orders, and good soldiers obey them immediately. Like, like when it's go time and, and he gets orders of what to do, Jack Bauer is like clear. Heard it from the commanding officer, I'm going to do it. And listen, that's what he's saying here is that good soldiers follow the commanding officer. Listen, the minute we came to, fight, came to faith in Jesus, we cease being the commanding officer of our life and we put Jesus in our place. Even when we pray in Romans 10, 9, it says to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Right? And so what we're saying is now, Jesus, you are the commanding officer. I've surrendered all to go and follow and do what you've called me uh, to do. And so we see that he says, man, uh, be committed like a soldier. And then he goes on to say, uh, an athlete, an athlete who, com who competes according to the rules. And, and I think about any athlete worth his salt is going to learn the rules. He's going to practice them like crazy. And then they're going to go out and, and be successful. If you've ever seen the documentary on uh, the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan, if you've never watched that, Michael Jordan was straight savage. I mean, y'all thought he was good on the court in game time? Man, he was ruthless in practice. I mean, that guy was so committed to winning, right? Just like the commitment we're talking about. I mean, he would have grown men crying. I mean, honest to goodness. He, he, would, he would push his team so hard that, that they would just... They would have to win because he was that committed. And when it came game night and the Chicago Bulls were playing in game seven, you didn't see Michael Jordan double dribbling not knowing how to play ball. He knew exactly what to do and he knew how to execute. Listen, um, here's the deal, and I'm going to talk about this. Uh, these are the rules God gives us of how to live life. Not so that it can be a burden, but so that you and I can be successful at what God's called us to do. And then lastly is the farmer. Now, the, the farmer, he farms to, to get a share of crop, right? And, and success for the farmer uh, is faithfully sowing and, and planting and, and that sort of thing. And I want to share something with you. As of the three, as I've grown in my relationship with the Lord, uh, I've really leaned more toward the farmer, where I have like a lot more athlete and soldier tendencies in me. But the farmer, what he does is he's faithful He's patient, and he just faithfully sows, right? So the, the farmer, the more seed he sows, the more faithful he is to take care of his crop, he trusts God for rain, and the rain falls. And so I, talking about this value, um, I've just seen such fruit 
from us sitting down with one or two or three people with a Bible open and just faithfully diving into it. And even if you don't know what to do, I'm telling you, there was a man who came into my life who faithfully shared the word with me, even when I didn't know where it was. And the harvest I've seen it produce, not only in my life, but the men I've got to spend time with and, and how God has blessed his ministry. Listen, it's, it's incredibly important to faithfully so. And there's some mornings, man, where it's like, it's not always just super exciting or like, man, it's just not always God's doing these incredible things, but I make it a point to make sure to faithfully sow the word of God. Because I want you to know something. One day, talking about a harvest, the harvest are souls that are secure in heaven. And one day, if you'll faithfully disciple people, you're gonna get to heaven and you're gonna meet spiritual children that you've never met yet. Spiritual grandchildren. Spiritual great-grandchildren. What about that person at your work if you'll invest in their life, share the gospel with them and disciple them, and then they take Jesus home to their family, how's that generation gonna change? How is that whole family line gonna change that you don't know the generational impact of simply being faithful to the Great Commission? And what drives me on those mornings when I'm kind of tired or I think I'm gonna take off, I think about heaven. And we can think about heaven of, Man, if I'll be faithful to sow today, I believe there'll be a great harvest tomorrow in heaven. And man, I wanna give you that encouragement, just like a farmer, to faithfully sow into the kingdom of God. And so to do this, to live this life, what he's telling Timothy is, you need that. You, you need to remember it's gonna take some perseverance when you don't feel like farming, when it's hot. It's gonna take some perseverance when you don't feel like going to compete. Or practice. It's going to take some perseverance when you don't feel like following the orders you're getting from heaven. But listen, what I want you to know is this. Uh, if we'll be committed, man, if we'll, if we'll die to ourselves and we'll walk with him, brother and sister, we're going to reign with him for all eternity. This is what we were created for, is to embrace the mission of God. And so as we see that a disciple maker is committed a disciple maker is uh, a good steward of the gospel, committed to the mission of God. I want to share thirdly, take this with you. A disciple maker is committed to the word of God. A disciple maker is committed to the, the word of God. And so in talking about the word, I want to share verses eight and nine. It says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which... I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But Paul says this, but God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That word is those that are going to come to faith, those that, that are gonna be in heaven. It says that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The one thing about soldiers, farmers, and, and athletes the good ones have to get a lot of training up front, right? I mean, my gosh, like if y'all hadn't seen the videos of boot camp and some of y'all have been through boot camp, bless you, brother, that's some rough training, amen? You know, there's a lot of training goes on. And so um, what happens is when we are trained and seasoned in the word of God, you are literally being sowed into 
by the God of the universe, and what you're doing is delivering that life-giving word uh, out into the world, into the lives of others, and it's not you doing the work, it's the God of the universe working through you because his word is alive. All the power's in his word. Read, read with me Isaiah 55, verse 11. This is what God's word uh, says. It, it talks about, um, so it is with my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so when we think about it, Christianity becomes really, really simple. We're just called to read the word, obey the word, pass it along. One more time, if you want simple, uh, Christianity simplified, read the word, obey the word, pass it along. Martin Luther said this. He said, I simply taught, preached, wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. The word did it all. This is the guy who started the, the great reformation. Really, the whole way we do church was because of Martin Luther, and that was his, his talk about the word of God, all right? And so, as we see what the disciple maker does, he's a good steward of the gospel. The disciple maker is committed to the mission of God. A disciple maker is committed to the word of God. I want to land right here in verses 11, 12, and 13. I want you to read it with me. We're going we're gonna to see what happens for the disciple maker. It says in verse 11, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. He will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. If you've tuned everything out, hear this about the disciple maker, the sweetest news of the whole deal. A disciple maker is saved, sustained, and satisfied by the gospel. A disciple maker is saved, sustained, and satisfied by the gospel. Here's the good news, man. We are broken people in need of a Savior. The good news is God supplied a Savior that can do all three of those things. As he's telling Timothy, again, think about it. Commanding officer, uh, you know, the, the, the last like, little bit of Paul's life, he's, he's giving Timothy everything I got, man, encouraging you to go and carry this thing. He says in verse 1, Timothy, you need to be strong in grace. What grace is, is unmerited favor. Grace is, is us receiving something from God we did not earn, nor can we conjure up from ourselves. He says, remember, Timothy, as you go, and man, you're gonna go through rough times. You're gonna go through difficult seasons. You're gonna run into difficult people. You're, you're gonna wanna quit. You're gonna wanna turn around. He says, you gotta be strong, not in your ability to do push-ups and get spiritually strong, but your ability to come back to the cross and say, God, I need your grace. That, that is be strong in the grace of God. Listen, you're gonna be worn out. Christianity is not for the faint of heart. Listen, just to go back to the Terminator, man, watch the movies. It ain't like it's sunshine out there, right? There's, it's hard. I mean, it ain't, I mean, everybody'd be doing it if it was easy. Everybody'd be making disciples. But he said the secret of our strength to be a part of the difference, the, the power of what God wants to do in the world 
It's not in your ability to fix yourself and become a better person. It's your ability to go back to the foot of the cross every day. That's where power's at. Power is at the foot of the cross. Not just one time, but every day. And, and so we see that it is the gospel that is the secret. I think about it like a marathon runner, and I was reading this, and if I ever run a marathon, y'all stop me. I ain't, I'm probably ain't gonna finish that darn thing. So, and may not be breathing when it's done. But talking about a marathon runner, so many times Christianity is painted for us, get hyped up in a service, pray a prayer, and just kind of live on the fence hoping things are gonna work out in eternity. That stinks. <laughs> and it leaves us worried and bothered. And, it, and it, it's not what Jesus intended for the fullness of life in Christ. The, the Christian life is a marathon that we come to the foot of the cross and we receive the free gift of grace by Jesus Christ dying in place for our sin, us admitting it, us repenting, us receiving the Holy Spirit. And then we start a marathon from that day to the end of our lives. And here's the deal about a marathon. You try and run 26 miles without eating or drinking nothing, mile 10, you're going down, all right? You ain't gonna make it. I was reading, it says, the American College of Sports Medicine recommends drinking five to 12 ounces of water every 15 to 20 minutes during a marathon. 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates every hour are required for someone to finish a marathon. I think that's why Jesus wanted us to take communion because what communion is is remembering the gospel and that Jesus Christ is the bread of life that sustains us for the marathon. Jesus Christ is the well that doesn't run dry, that sustains us for the marathon. And that to finish this race, you gotta go back to that well. To finish this race, you gotta go back to the bread. And it's in Christ, the gospel message, that we can faithfully finish this race and do something in it, see God do something in and through our lives we know we could never do for ourselves. So I wanna preach on grace for a minute. Three things. Number one, his grace saves us. The minute you receive it, it's done, paid for. That whole race has been bought and paid. You're in the race. Jesus is gonna get you to that finish line. That's the gospel. The grace saves us. Now listen, this is the awesome part. His grace sustains us. All right, so not only does he save us, but it's his grace, the, the gospel message, the unmerited favor of God that will get us to the end. We have to go back to it. And then lastly, how good is verse 13? When we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. His grace secures us for all eternity. His grace secures us for all eternity. And I want you to know, as we talk about this race, as we talk about playing our part in the kingdom of God, we can't do any of this until we've been transformed by what's been done on the cross. That it's receiving that finished work that puts us on the track that finishes the race. And I want to share, and this is not doom and gloom, this isn't, but, but I want you to know, I just, maybe that's part of what God raised me up for. I just want to debunk a lot of Southern Christian theology that is not rooted in the Bible. And, and I want you to know that when it says, if we disown him, he will disown us, there is no magical prayer that, that you get a get out, get out of jail free card and then we deny him the rest of our life. But it doesn't, that doesn't work, Right? Nor, nor is it scary living your whole life hoping you're good enough to get to heaven. That ain't the gospel. It's a zero or a 10. And it's in this gospel message that we've been set free to know who we are in Christ, saved, secured, and begin to grow and begin to pass it along to others. Man, so good.
And so as I close in prayer, if you've never responded, this is a beautiful day to do it. I mean, look at it. It's beautiful outside. You can tell your grandkids one day the day you came to faith in Jesus. But what I want for everyone here, those in Christ, and, and, and for all of us, if you're about to come into Christ, in every generation, God has made much of his name by making disciples through everyday, ordinary, struggling, broken people just like me and you. This is the family business. It's just our turn to play our part at the seat, at our table. It's our time for our time to play the part. Throughout time, God has made much of his name in the world the same way. Not super Christians, everyday ordinary people, just like me and you. And so I wanna pray, and, and man, if, if you feel the Lord uh, sensing you to take a next step to come and pray, to be refreshed by the gospel, I pray you do that. But for now, I also wanna pray, if man, today's the day to come to faith, man, that no better time than the present, all right? Let's pray, church. Lord, I thank you for that gospel, Lord. Thank you for the good news that we can't earn it. God, you finished it. And not only did you finish it for a moment, you finished it to save us for all eternity. So there's someone in the house today who said, Buck, I'm finally ready. I heard it. Like at a heart level, I heard it. And, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The uh, Bible says that it, we count the cost. And, and maybe it's something you've been counting for, for weeks and you're like, I'm finally ready. I'm ready. So if that's you, you say, Buck, today's my day. I, I want to I wanna receive that free grace. I want to... I want to repent of my sin and come to faith in Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to ask, would you slip your hand up in the air as an extension of faith and say, I'm the guy today. I'm the lady today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for the rest of us, God, I pray we would stand in the grace we have. And God, that we would uh, be empowered to do mighty and wonderful things. We love you, Lord. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.